Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And something's going on in Celtics land. It's not good. I'm joined not by Jay King, but by the whole cast of the Geno Time Podcast for a little home and home podcasting session. That's right. Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat reporter for Boston.com. Nicole Yang, Patriots beat reporter, but also host. Uh, um, she's from the Boston Globe host of Geno Time, and Chris Grenham from Forbes. And uh, you can see him on Ness and After Hours talking about the Celtics. And I don't even know where to start with this basketball game. It's Friday night. The Celtics just lost to the Chicago Bulls by 20. Unless the Minnesota Timberwolves score 10 points in the next minute and 30 seconds, the Boston <laughs> Celtics will be your seventh seed. And it, it pretty much feels like they're going destined for a play-in tournament. Tom, we'll go to you. What the hell is going on out there? What happened tonight? How do the Celtics lose by 20 to the Chicago Bulls? I mean, in retrospect, I honestly think that, like, I mean, I was I was out here saying that I thought the Celtics were had a real chance at getting to, like, the 4-5 or five seed just based on, like, their schedule and, like, the Knicks' schedule. In retrospect, I probably should have looked at the Bulls and been like, okay, they have Zach Levine, who is, like, the prototype of a Celtics killer. They have Kobe White who low-key kind of has the profile of a Celtics killer. And they have Nikola Vucevic, who the Celtics haven't been able to guard literally since, like, I mean, the like I, I can't remember a time when they were guarding him well in the last, like, you know, five years or so. So, I mean, they have a bunch of guys who really punish the Celtics. Um, and it just came at, like, like the worst possible time. <laughs> they needed this win so badly. And uh, now they go in. I mean, they have to beat Miami twice, right? Like, to, I mean, I feel like they need both of these upcoming wins. Yeah, they are pretty much with the going to be one game back in Miami. They so if, even if they split with Miami and get the uh, tiebreaker, there's still going to be a game back. The Heat do play the 76ers and the Bucks to finish out the season, so have a much harder schedule. So there is a chance. But Chris, we were talking about before we started recording, like Jason Tatum just was didn't look good at all tonight. I think he was three of fifteen from the field for only nine points. Like, yeah. I, like. He's been very good before this. I just don't know like why how that happens uh, in this situation. He was extremely good before this. He was super flat tonight. I the other than Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, the Celtics as a whole were extremely flat, and I have a hard time 
seeing how that's possible in a game when they're playing for their playoff lives, essentially, like these are all playoff games. It's been said like a million times at this point. It's very important. It's not like this game is one that they could afford to lose. So yeah, he was really flat. And on a night where there's no Jalen Brown, like not a great night for him to be flat. And the Celtics didn't really have anyone to pick up the slack. Like smart was incredibly flat too. He didn't provide them really anything. He wasn't that ball mover that they need him to be. And so it was just kind of a trickle down effect. It felt like to a point like, yeah, Fournier and Kemba were fine. But outside of that, starting with Tatum, it was just so ugly. And he was at, he was honestly flat on defense too. Like there were some really bad defensive lapses. Um, Evan Fournier was great on offense, but he was bad on defense tonight too. Like just bad, bad, bad. It was, it was not good. And it's, it started with Tatum. I really don't know where to stop in terms of criticisms of their game tonight. You know who was also awful on defense? Jabari Parker. And that's the last word yeah. I'm going to mention him on this podcast, hopefully. <laughs> but he was absolutely ferocious. Uh, that's horrendous. <laughs> and I don't even know what the second word I'm He was ferocious. Absolutely ferocious. <laughs> Uh, I think that I started having bad feelings about this game as soon as I saw the injury report come out and say that Rob Williams had turf toe. Like they are just so much of a better team when Rob Williams is in the game. And from the way Brad was talking before the game, it doesn't seem like they're going to have Rob for either of these two Miami games. Nicole, are they entirely screwed if they have no time Lord? <laughs> um. Pretty close to it. And I think they should be worried beyond just the two heat games. Like, I'm not sure the different levels of severity for turf toe, but like Devontae Adams had turf toe this past or recently, either this past season or the year before. And his initial projected timeline was two to six weeks, and he ended up missing four weeks. So, NFL beat reporter right here. (laughs) That's right. What turf did he stub his toe on? He should be on a court. Turf Not a lot of experience covering turf toe. <laughs> how do, how do turf? So I, I would be concerned about that. And then you it shows like how the Celtics bench is pretty thin whenever they have an injury, but particularly at the five, like you just basically have Tristan Thompson and then Lou Cornette and Taco. Taco minutes didn't go well tonight. No, they did not. <laughs> so it gets pretty dicey. That being said, the Grant Williams minutes at center did go pretty well, but I don't really think that's who you want, like, first off the bench in the playoffs at the five. Like, obviously, Robert Williams is a superior player, so it it's going to be pretty bad if he misses significant time. Yeah, I mean, I keep holding on to the fact that, like, the top seven guys have never lost a playoff series, um, never lost a game, but they haven't been in the same lineup at uh, any point this season. And I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. I mean, that's like the one saving grace. Like maybe if these top seven people can come together uh, and like put together uh, some sort of run in the playoffs, but if they're just never going to be healthy. And so I don't know like what the expectations are for this team to finish out the year. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they go and win two games against Miami in a row, just to like zig while everyone else is zagging. But is there any reason to expect this Boston Celtics team to be healthy moving forward? Like we just haven't seen it for a full, what, six months now? Oh, I'm yeah. supposed to tell you. So yeah, Tom, you can go. Well, yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> but seriously though, like usually you get guys like kind of toughing it out in the playoffs too. And, and I mean, like 
some of these injuries, like like if if like turf toe might just not be something that, like that you can really tough out. Like one of the things that Brad said before the game was that Rob was like he played in the Celtics last game and he he got like progressively more sore as the game was going on. So it's like yeah, like he's you know he's making it a little bit worse. So um, you know you, you worry about that. I mean I I still have lingering concerns about. I think Jalen Brown is probably playing through some things that he's not talking about. Like the Celtics are super, super banged up and I'm sure everybody around the league is, but just kind of in the position they're in, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's guys who could try to gut through it, but at the same time, like I'm again, like gut through it for what? Like they're like, if they end up in the seven seed, like they're almost, I mean, if they end up in the seven seed, they're not coming out of that series. Like that they're going to be playing, you know, the, the nets or the, or or the bucks or the, or the Sixers. Like that's, that's brutal. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it it's tough to say. Like, I, I don't know what I, – I don't see any reason that we could expect them to be healthy at this point. At this point, it feels like there's no chance they're going to make the four or five unless the Knicks completely implode on the rest of their, like, West Coast trip. At that point, they're either the sixth seed and you're playing the Bucks or Nets and you're going to probably lose in the first-round series, or – you get the seven seed and you get a little win in the play in tournament, get some good momentum going, and then you lose in the first round series. All I'm <laughs> looking for for the Celtics is I don't even expect a series win at this point. I just want them to make some noise. And that means like playing, I guess, the Bucks or Nets at least like six six games. But I don't know. Is it like what is a at this point the season's going to be a disappointment just because they have all this talent and you want them to at least get to the, I guess, second round, but let's change expectations. What would be a, I guess a positive or a, a small moral victory for the Celtics uh, from here on out? I mean, my view of like a victory was them pushing the Knicks, like getting a game on the Knicks tonight and then beating the Knicks for the head to head in the final game of the season. And then getting like the five seed winning in the first round and then and then getting clapped in the second round or something, that's not going to happen anymore. So I don't know. I guess it would be winning a game or two against the Bucks if they get oh, the wow. sixth seed. Like, Things are low. No, like I I have I've been very low on this team all year as as Jim turns around his Celtics hat to make sure. And <laughs> like I just I don't know. I think I don't see them giving the Bucks or any of those teams at the top like any legitimate trouble. Like I think the most trouble they'll give is like a couple games. I do think they play better against better competition. Like there is something to that, but I just think they'll, they'll steal a couple games maybe from one of those teams. I don't expect anything more than that. If they are the six. Well, and I think the thing that makes this team so disappointing, like just so like, like just, and just so frustrating is that there were so many opportunities for them to just not, you know, lose some of these bad games to, to, yeah. to be in this position. If you beat OKC, then losing this game doesn't, you know, like doesn't put you in such a difficult spot. You know, if you don't, if you don't lose to OKC and Charlotte in back-to-back games, like if you, if you take like both of those games or, or at least one of them again, like you're just in, in so much better position. If you don't blow a 25 point lead or whatever it was to the Pelicans, like, like there's all these opportunities throughout the season where the Celtics just kind of like didn't, you know, fritter away a perfectly reasonable opportunity to win a basketball game. They, they could be still be in contention for the four or the five, or, um, you know, they, they might not be in such a, you know, such a tough spot to end up in the playing game. Like there were so many chances for this team to not disappoint. And, and 
and not, you know, like still probably wouldn't beat the Nets or still probably wouldn't beat the Sixers or whatever it is, but just, you know, like be a lot more respectable than, you know, the, the position they find themselves in now. I think like a moral victory too would just be, and this might be even sadder than winning like two games in the first round is just like Kemba continuing this good stretch, like Evan Fournier sort of returning to a hundred percent and just like maintaining health and like ending the season on, even though they're probably going to lose the series, like on somewhat of a high note for next season, like Gino time has talked a lot about how just optimistic we are for next season. So as long as nothing goes awry and they're like fully ready to start next season healthy, I feel like that's a win. Yeah, and I, Kemba, I agree with that. Yeah. Kemba looked was the only player who was like good for the entire game and looked like pretty explosive. It's like wild how good he looks when he's rested, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he can give them in the playoffs. But I like that NBC Sports Boston is really pushing that Kemba Fournier are like best friends and have great chemistry narrative just because the Celtics need to do whatever they can to keep Fournier in the offseason. Uh, it's just interesting. Like maybe, maybe I'm just going to go, if I'm going to try to embrace positivity, full pivot, the playing game's fun and the Celtics are going to be a main featured team with the Lakers in that playing game. And What's more fun than like winter go home basketball? The thing I'm worried about is that Gordon Hayward comes back for the Hornets and you have the ultimate uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Nick Friedman revenge game <laughs> where it's just all these former Celtics greats are coming back. And then you run, you the Celtics lose that game, of, of course. And then they run into like the Washington Wizards and Bradley Beal scores 45. Like I'm trying to think of the worst possible timeline. And that feels like uh, one that's not only possible, but likely at this point. I, I think the play, I think there is like playing game would be, would be fun. I don't think most fans would find that as like a, a moral victory per se, but like it would be fun. They're also Nick Friedman versus Celtics. Tough matchup for the Celtics. Um, I don't know. Also the Hornets are a good team. As we saw, especially when like when they have Lamelo, Terry, and Hayward. Yeah. I don't like Devontae Graham, but PJ Washington is pretty good. Uh, what did like? What do you guys expect to happen over these next two games against the Heat? They're playing on a Sunday afternoon, which we all know is uh, terrible. It's just they're, they're it's not going to end up well. But like if they lose like the first game, like I just generally expect them to split. I feel like we've seen um, when these teams are playing these weird back to backs. It's just naturally they're going to split. That still puts the Celtics down a game from the Heat. They have to play in a back-to-back against Cleveland. Does, like, do you think Kemba Walker plays there? Do they eventually abandon the kind of Kemba saving his knee because it's do-or-die playoff time? I wouldn't abandon the, the Kemba thing that's, like, worked all season. And, you know, like, again – I mean, my, my whole stance right now is just like, don't do anything that endangers next year. Um, yeah. because I, again, I, I really think that like an off season for these, you know, these young guys, like a chance to, for Neesmith and Pritchard to develop a little bit more for Rob to develop a little bit more to, to build, you know, a little bit of cohesion and have a training camp and all this stuff that they didn't get this last year really sets them up for a good season next year. Um, you know, as far as what to expect for these next two games, like, I, I mean, like whatever you think for the Celtics, take the opposite and then take the opposite again. Cause you don't know, like, like, like you would expect them to come out like on fire and, you know, be like fired up and try to win these games. I also would have thought that they would 
come out fired up to beat OKC, and they didn't do that. Um, they, you know, got beat again. Like I, I, like this team is like the ultimate. I just have no idea. Like throw your hands up in the air. Like they might win both of them. They might lose both by thirty. Like I, I don't. Yeah, sure. If you told me either one, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I feel like the Sunday matinee is really setting us up for like the Celtics fall behind <laughs> thirty-six to five, and then with in the fourth quarter with like two minutes to go, it's a three-point game. We'll see though. Like, and then they still end up losing. But I, I think Sam is right that like even independent of like the Celtics heat drama and like the importance of these games, typically when teams have these types of back to backs, they generally split. So that's my prediction. And that's honestly a win for the Celtics because then they'll have the season tie break. So if they end up with the same record as the Heat, they could still avoid the plan. At this point, I feel like we got to bring on the plan because I, like the uh, it's just going to be more interesting that way. I think the thing that's interesting about Kemba is like, Tom, you talk about all the, like the bad losses they've had this year. I feel like a lot of them have come on back-to-backs and they decided to take a strategy is like we're not going to play Kemba on back-to-backs but now they get like their record really matters and they probably having Kemba in those games would have been useful clearly he's playing better basketball now and so it seems to have worked out but do you think they're like I don't know maybe maybe would have had to like uh, some of those games back because it's really like the regular season matters now it's kind of why I like the playing game I feel like if it didn't exist, the Celtics would be kind of coasting right now. And I don't know, now I'm talking myself in circles because if they're coasting right now, maybe players could get some rest and they'd be healthier for the playoffs. And so part of me is like, entertainment, this is a new gimmick game that everyone should be excited about. But like, as we see with the Lakers, as we see with the Celtics, you can't coast anymore in the regular season. And despite Tristan Thompson saying regular season games are horseshit, they played like horse shit tonight, but they, they certainly matter. They certainly have an impact. And so, I don't know, are you guys generally pro-playing game or anti? There's a lot of questions packed in there. I, Figure it all out. I would. Figure it all out. Right, I want to start with the Kemba bit because – Oh, I, I don't forgot think, I mentioned that. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think the Celtics regret sitting him in those games one bit. Like, and I, and I agree with them. I think they're right. Like, this is back to Tom's point of – sort of playing for next year and not doing anything that'll jeopardize next season. And I think that's the wise thing to do. There's no, the ceiling, even if you play Kemba in all those games, the ceiling on this season is still capped as far as I'm concerned. And so I don't see any reason why they would say, Hey, we should like, if we had the chance to do it again, we would probably risk his health going into next season to grab a few extra games. Like I, I think the right move is to say, no, we, we'd sit him again and again and again. Well, and also they kind of tried something last season without sitting him like on a regimented yeah. schedule and it didn't work out. Like he, at the end of the bubble, like Danny Ainge said that he wasn't a hundred percent. And so I, I think they made the right move. And also both Brad and Danny, and I think even Kemba have all like applauded the medical staff with the plan. Like they all seem very happy with how it's worked out. So yeah, would they have liked to have gotten a couple games back? Sure, but I don't think Kemba is why they lost those games either. Yeah. To answer the last part of your question, <laughs> I'm kind of like not anti or pro play-in game. Like, take a take. Middleman Tom, make a no, take, no, 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 man. No. no, okay, if you want my take, it's if you don't want to be – if you don't want to be at the play-in game, just win games. Like, it's like – I just, I just think that you kind of have to like adjust to whatever the NBA is, it, like whatever their new thing they're trying is. 
we, we don't know what this is like. We haven't seen it yet. Um, like, you know, I, I, my, I guess my take is that like players who are complaining about it, like, okay, do something about it, man. Like, like win some games. Like, that's the take. That's yeah. that. That's the take. My take is we should all be anti-players complaining about it when they're sitting in the seventh seed, but shutting up about it when they're in the fourth seed. Like, you you need a take because I don't buy Luca complaining about it, and that when he's in the seventh seed and then not talking about it now that he's back to the four or LeBron complaining about it now. Like I really that that bothers me quite a bit because it's very clear why those players are complaining. Agreed. It's also like they've designed it so you would have to lose two games in a row to inferior opponents if you're going to like fall out of the playoffs and get the ultimate punishment. Like it's just absurd. LeBron James and the Lakers should be able to beat whoever is in the eight seed. They're losing to the Trailblazers right now and are most likely going to be the seven seed. I'm ready for every single call in that playing game to go for the Lakers because there is no, and I'm just basing this on Zach Lowe talking about the playing game. He's like everyone in the league office will be rooting for the Lakers in that game because they only make money. Uh, if the Lakers are in the playoffs, I'm like that makes it so for some weird officiating. Like if the <laughs> entire financial stake of the league is on the the Lakers winning, that feels um, a little bit weird for me. So you're right, Tom. I'm glad you made the take. You're right. Players should shut up and just dribble. I think that's what we all heard you say. That's exactly and- what I said. That's <laughs> word for word what I said. Thank you. Yeah. But they should just win basketball games. Like at this point if the Celtics are in the playing game, you would think they would play with a sense of urgency. But at this point, I don't know if they would even show up. I don't know if they would wait until the second round double elimination to kind of finally start playing with their backs against the wall. The nice thing about an 82 game or whatever, you know, 72, whatever it is, like the nice thing about an NBA basketball season is you get what you deserve. Like the Celtics, if they end up in the play-in game, they deserve to be in the play-in game. If they lose two games in the play-in game, they deserve to be in the lottery. Like, yeah, like like this is uh, this isn't like an unfair thing. This isn't like Adam Silver conspiring against the Celtics or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, man, like and, and you know, like this season, you can make any case you want about like this season being completely messed up. Like, I, you know, I agree with that. Like it's it, it, it's been really, really hard on players and on players bodies and, and, and you know, on everybody's uh, yeah, I'm sure it's been hard on everyone's mental health. Like it's just been a really tough season. But at the same time, just like purely on the basketball court, like. You know, like if you, if you end up there, then that's that's where you should have ended up. Basketball is the ultimate ultimate meritocracy where you even just to win one game, you have to like make 50 shots. And so, yeah, you do that over the course of uh, the whole year. There's all the built in excuses of the injuries, but I don't know. It's just this team feels like it has the very slim margin for error. And so anytime a player has been out is like an excuse to just uh, lose the basketball game. They made a run. Like, I, like I'm like i angry at myself for getting false hope tonight when they were uh, cut it down to eight. They drew a number of fouls early in the fourth quarter. Kemba had that shot where he could have cut it to five. Uh, but then just, what, the, the Bulls call a timeout and then immediately go on a 12-2 run. It's just like, oh, well, this was pointless. Sorry for feeling excitement about basketball. <laughs> I don't know. I'm speechless. Any any other notes from this game? Any other like hot like great observations from uh, the Geno Time team? Because I'm speechless. I am without speech. <laughs> I think that Aaron Neesmith is going to be a really good basketball player. 
That's that's Ooh. the other take that I want to that I want to get off. I think he's going to be really good. I'm I like I think this little stretch here is is very translatable. I think that he's showing a bunch of stuff. Grenham and I are both draft nerds. I mean, he's showing a bunch of stuff that like we didn't like really see at Vanderbilt. Like um and 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 like some stuff that at Vanderbilt, you know, we maybe saw flashes of but didn't look like yeah. it would translate to the NBA game. Like he had a few of those like tonight he had that drop off pass to I think it was Tristan Thompson. Um, he did like a little bit of that in college, but it wasn't something that you were like, oh, I think that's going to translate to the NBA. No, I just think, I think he's going to be a really good basketball player. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd bought everyone's stock when, uh, when he was struggling because I, I think, he, I think he's going to be really, really good. I didn't expect to see like glimpses of playmaker D Smith this early on. Cause you're right. We saw like bits and pieces of that in his one and a half seasons at Vanderbilt, but you never really expected that to be part of his pro game. And I don't expect it to be like, you know, all the time, but that's huge that you're already seeing like little glimpses of that. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Aaron Neesmith is going to be a good player. These are both the guys who said Sadiq Bay was going to be a good player. And look how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, we know how that one turned out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, one of us thought that Peyton Pritchard was going to be a good player, and it wasn't me. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah. if you guys would uh, want to learn more about the grind that Peyton Pritchard goes to, you can go to <laughs> theathletic.com. Jay King, the kid, the god, the legend, wrote an excellent um, article about – it was crazy to me just how much work goes into becoming an NBA basketball player, and I realized, oh, I was I was never going to – like. I thought I was good at <laughs> baseball growing up. I was like, this, this was never going to happen for me. I was never going to do that much. Like, well, Peyton Pritchard used to go and – Dribble until his hands bled at 5.30 every morning. And it's just like, I have never had the type of drive to do that. So, I mean, I guess good good for you, Chris, for being able to uh, to notice that Peyton Pritchard had uh, the drive to uh, become a great basketball. But him and Neesmith didn't, really didn't show up tonight. That's the kind of the other thing is that, like, I felt like they were giving the bench kind of a boost over this past stretch and the – Really, other than Kemba and the first quarter of Fortier, no one really had anything consistent tonight. For sure. I mean, Kemba was like, he was pretty much their only like good player. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah, like, you're, you're going to lose a lot of games when you have one good player. That, that is absolutely fair. Um, I've run out of things to say, so I think we fully transition to the nonsense portion of the podcast. Uh, Normally, we do the world famous potable six pack, but I've tried to run the numbers. There's no way four can go into six. We're making it a potable eight pack. Uh, the eight just observations, anything. I'm going to extend this back to the uh, magic game as well, just because so we'll have more things to talk about because I think we really milked this Bulls game for everything it's worth. Um, but the just thing, anything you want to talk about, there are no rules in the potable eight pack. Uh, it is a snake draft. We'll pick eight things. I'm going to say, Chris Granham, you have the first pick. All right. Uh, my first pick is, I think it was in, it was probably like five minutes left, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum threw a horrendous inbounds pass underneath the hoop. Brad Stevens spiked his gum on the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, great, great Brad moment. So Mad Brad spiking his gum is my first pick. That's fantastic. I feel like Brad's been a little bit angrier, a little bit more demonstrative on the sideline yeah. this year. And I think that's 
Good. He's uh, and that I'm gonna just take the second pick because it's my show and I get to control who's talking. Uh, Brad kind of dunking <laughs> on uh, Corrales after the Magic game, where Corrales was going to be like, "Hey, that taco play was pretty fun," and Brad was like, "Yep, haven't thought about it once. Maybe you should talk about it a bunch." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Corrales got dunked on after that game. I think it was just like a fun response from Brad. I was, I was, I felt the need to stand up for Corrales. I don't think he got dunked on. I wasn't watching. I just saw some people tweet about it, and I was hoping there to be dunked on if I'm being fully transparent. Um, but that's how it goes in the potable eight-pack. Nicole, you're up. <laughs> um, okay, I think I'm going to take the NBC Sports Boston propaganda machine for Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker's friendship. Obviously, we saw that graphic about how well they've been playing together. Abby Chin, this was actually a, a good clip. Abby Chin quote tweeted, um, a play from the first quarter where uh, there was good ball movement and then Evan Fournier hits a corner three, but basically before he releases it, Kemba's already celebrating and on his way back to the defensive end. So they're really trying to pump up that narrative. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, but yeah, I think we am going to go with that. It's very solid pick. NBC Sports Boston, when they get a narrative going, it feels like it's mostly just because they have like 17 ads they need to get before the game. So they like, they need Forsberg to do at least three segments where he's talking about something. And it's like, and they pick it up before game. But the thing that I liked about the stat was as like Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker have like a plus 30 net rating in duos who have played more than 95 minutes together. I'm like, it's been a long season. I don't think 95 is the correct minutes threshold for uh, kind of assessing best duos in terms of net rating. I don't know if that's the case, but it doesn't feel, it feels like it might've been a cherry pick stat, but if it gets Fournier back when the Celtics are resigning, then I, uh, I'm all for propaganda. Tom, you get two picks now is uh, oh, very exciting cool. for you. I only had one ready. I forgot, I forgot that it was a snake draft. All right. Well, the, the one that I have ready here, um, after Jabari Parker signed with the Celtics, uh, a bunch of people like I, I was I wasn't super high on the signing. I didn't think he was going to like, you know, be like a huge impact player, like, you know, thought might, he might get some spot minutes here and there. Um, He's pretty good in his first couple of games. And I had a bunch of people reach out to me on Twitter, literally demanding an apology for my takes. So I'm on this show to give you my apology. And here it is. This is the Conor McGregor, like I'll apologize, apologize to absolutely really nobody. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, he's not good. Uh, he really missed a terrible three and was just completely lost on defense. Uh, apologize to no one. Uh, people are idiots. And um, unless you – do you have a second one? Because I can keep talking about how people are idiots. Uh, yeah, why don't you keep talking about how people are idiots for, uh, for about a minute and a half here? Okay, I got people in my mentions being like <laughs> – Brad, like it's still on Brad Stevens for this guy for how the the Celtics have come out tonight. Yeah, it's just so treating the players like they're children to be like if Brad Stevens needs to yell at these guys for them. Like <laughs> Brad Stevens is not responsible for like the effort like level of the players. Like they are professional basketball players. We've seen with the Pacers situation, like um, Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse Jr. just screaming at players doesn't work. Like that's just not how. NBA players respond to these things. And so like, that's just, it might work in little league. It might work in AAU, but like having an, a grown man scream at another grown man is just not conducive to anyone playing good basketball. Nick Nurse like, juniors. I'm, I'm bummed that we won't get a Celtics Raptors playoff series. Cause that means no jam Nick Nurse commentary. This 
I did take a lot of joy in the Raptors. I saw a clip of them playing the Wizards the other night, and I think they had six missed threes on one possession that would have, like, tied the game. And it was just like, Siakam to Van Vliet, missed it. Siakam gets the rebound to Van Vliet, missed it. And it was just like, I don't know, for some reason, I think it's just specifically the people I follow on Raptors Twitter who are obnoxious. Uh, I just take great joy, some schadenfreude in uh, the Raptors losing. It's probably Nick Nurse related. Um, I, I, I do say, I will say that I, uh, I, I appreciate your point about, uh, like Brad, not like everybody being adults because like really people, like people really seem to think that like NBA players who again are grown adult human beings are going to respond to like a ton of like rah, rah stuff. And like, it's just like, I mean, unless you are like, I mean, I feel like the, the one coach who I, who I see like kind of get away with that, like not even get away with it, who I think is good at it is like, like Monty Williams, I see sometimes um, being like really inspirational. And I feel like it's just like he's so genuine when he talks that everybody's like, man, I, I really related to that. That that meant a lot. Like, thanks, Monty, or whatever. I just, I mean, I just don't think that like rah-rah stuff works very often. Like, Especially NBA. if you're Brad Stevens. If you come out and start just being like lighted in, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, this is wild man or Brad Stevens. He's being fake as hell. Like, this is nonsense. This players would see – they're not idiots. They would see right through it. It's just – Fans are mad online. I understand being mad online. It's not cool to be mad online. PSA, uh, being mad online is never cool. But uh, you gotta gotta tweet at someone. So why not me? Uh, about why? <laughs> Has this been enough? Please don't put enough in the newspaper that I was mad. <laughs> no, not at all. Definitely won't. Don't record a podcast about it. And release it to the public. <laughs> all right, I got my other. I got my other eight pack here. Um, so the Celtics. It would be a disaster if they missed the playoffs. If they lost in the play-in game and they didn't like get in there, it would be an absolute disaster. That For a second, bad. I thought like if they fell to the 11th seed, it's like I didn't know that was even possible. Jim <laughs> starts panicking. Oh no! Oh, oh god! It would be really bad if that happened. Um, all I am saying is that James Booknight is currently 12th on Tankathon's uh, lottery odds, and uh, James Booknight is oh, not the name of a real person. <laughs> it's the name of a very good basketball player. Where um, does he go to college or indoor high school? UConn. They haven't made any good college basketball players ever. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So that's all I'm saying. James uh, is a bucket night. Is uh, I actually like that because if they do miss the playoffs, spin that positive, better draft pick. Mm-hmm. And you guys have already seem like you've pivoted to next season. You had another piece off the bench. What position is James Booknight? That is an alias you used to check into a hotel. Sir James Booknight. <laughs> James Booknight is a shooting guard. Um, I like again, just like a bucket, just a bucket guard. He just, he's just. Uh, oh, like Carson Edwards. No, he's no, no. Don't even. That is slander. Do not even go there. He's he's six foot five for one thing. Um, I think that's right. Is he six foot five? Six six four. Yeah. Six four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pick and roll guy hits threes. Uh, can score from all three levels. He's very, huh. very good. Also, I never, I never thought the name James Booknight was even a little funny until Sam said it. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs the right emphasis. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, tanking for Booknight. I like it. I think we can <laughs> embrace that for uh, when the Celtics inevitably lose a bunch of. Uh, they're not going to lose. They're going to win that first game in the play in the playing game. It's going to be electric, and then they're going to get. Losing six to the Nets. That yeah, sounds like making some noise to me. Happen, yeah. yeah, that sounds like yeah. some fun time. Yeah. All right, Nicole, you are up. Oh, boy. 
Um, I'm going to take Marcus Smart wearing a headband. I think that didn't even last the whole first quarter. <laughs> so. No, he airballed a three and then immediately threw off the headband. Not immediately, but and like then think of the next possession. Strange look from him. I was very startled when I saw him in the Magic game wearing the headband. I wasn't uh, used to it, but he was bad tonight. Like he just threw some dumb turnovers that he's kind of want to do, but it, tonight it felt like they were kind of soul crushing turnovers. Where it's just like, sheesh, man. Like what? I don't know what the decision making process there, but. Love him, trust him. Um, Got to just keep going with Marcus Smart. With or without the headband. Yeah, I mean, he can do whatever I want. My personal favorite Marcus Smart look is where he gets like the beads, like the blue beads in his braids. Um, I think that's his uh, best hairstyle, but uh, we'll see what he does moving forward. Headband was clearly not working for him. I, and I like the idea of throwing it away because it has no buckets in it, like the classic IT line. Like that's just uh, whatever you can do to kind of – Oh, it didn't work to turn the fate of the game around. But whatever you can do to try. I like trying. <laughs> Trying's great. Um, I guess it's my pick, and I'm torn between um, – I'm going to choose one that I know Granham's not going to pick and because this is really off the board. But did you guys see Zach Lowe's article about Clint Capella? Um, and he was talking about how the Hawks have, like, a really regular game of, like, very intense Monopoly – and between like Gallo and Clint Capella and someone else on the team. And I just thought that was the lamest shit ever. Monopoly is a terrible game. Monopoly is an awful board game. And like these guys are just, that's their regular go-to. Out of all the things in the world, I just thought that was, that was not something you brag about to Zach. Lowe. You were so right. That was not on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many better board games than Monopoly. Like, yeah. Like, all of the board games, but oh, yeah, Monopoly has never been fun. <laughs> there are so many genuinely good ones, and Monopoly is just not one of them. It's just the Hawks keep winning, so I had to take a, some sort of shot at them, and it's their <laughs> choice of board games. So things are going well on my end. Uh, Graham, final pick. Do I have one? Or do I get two in the snake draft or one? Oh, no, the eight pet. We got eight pet. Oh, That's the pet, final right. ones. Like unless you want to go a twelve pack, I could go. Pack. I could. I could. It go. feels like we're plenty. getting a little sweaty on this premise here. So right. I don't know I'll go two premise. quick ones because I have two that are on. <laughs> oh, you're mind. allowed to do honorable mentions after. Uh, in okay, so I have an honorable mention after. There was one moment that kind of I don't think got like focused on all that much on the broadcast, but I, it was at some point in the second half. There was a foul, and Marcus Smart. You could hear him like audibly yelling on the court, like yelling at the ref, and like kind of getting fired up. And Grant was just in the middle of the sheer chaos with his arms out on both sides, just yelling at everyone to stop it. Just stop it. Like the voice of reason playing hall monitor, yelling at everyone. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious because he was like, yeah, he was the voice of reason, which makes perfect sense. I thought it was Grant after he fouled uh, Vucevic. I think it might've been a Grant foul, but smart was, he was was yelling. He was yelling at smart because smart was like losing it. And he was just like, no, this is not happening. No. <laughs> and, and he didn't get teed up. So the Celtics he, were kind of mad tonight. Marcus, I think, got a tech. Kemba got, Kemba a, tech. got a tech. Fournier yeah. got a tech for just uh, throwing the basketball at the stanchion twice, which I didn't know was an automatic tech. But uh, good for the Celtics, you know, really earning them. The l- final honorable mention. Oh, wait, did you have more? Uh, oh, the other one I was just going to say was Brad Stevens praising Javante Green for being a great locker room guy before the game. 
he is a great locker room guy. Yeah. One of the best guys of uh, Javante Green, when you're standing in the locker room, he'll tap you on one shoulder and then sneak to the other side. He, he does that to random strangers. He did that to me a number of times. I don't know Javante Green, but he's a uh, – so that's a great locker room presence. Uh, speaking of former Celtics, I just thought it's always funny to me, Tice just getting absolutely boned by the whistles. Like he had one of the cleanest blocks of Grant I've seen in a while, got called for a foul. He was brutally fouled twice by the Celtics, and it was just like, nope, no call. Uh, the war on Tice continues. And- his hand, like he, was like, like he was like showing him, like his hand was like hanging off his wrist, like it was all red. And he's like, you guys see this, right? And the ref, oh, anything. <laughs> It really oh. it felt like home. It was nice. It felt nice. It's just nice. It's also nice to see uh, just Tice thrive in his new situation. Um, and Javante Green hit a three tonight. Any other notes from this game? Empty him out. Uh, I guess we can go a 12-pack, but I don't know if there's anything more to talk about. But Although I do have some honorable mentions. But the floor is the, uh, for Geno time right now. I, I can give one more honorable mention based on what you were saying. I think like – the like the, the those those uh technicals where you either like slam the ball on the floor or bounce it off the stanchion they're like I, I just i understand like why um people get all antsy about them because they are just kind of like the ref you know going on like a power trip and at the same time i am all every time they happen i'm just like that was so preventable like you just you could just not slam the ball on the floor like i understand getting a tech for arguing with a ref I played in men's leagues. I've gotten so many technicals for arguing with a ref. You can't help yourself a lot of the time. But like when it's like slamming the ball on the floor, it really or like slamming it off a stanchion. It's just like like that was just such a preventable technical. Like I like that you're criticizing guys for like shows of emotion, but then you just admitted to arguing with the men's league ref who gets paid <laughs> nine fifty an hour to be there. <laughs> Awful call. <laughs> well, it was a terrible call. But no, I, I just like like get earn your money, man. Like if you're gonna get a tech, like go. I mean, even again, I know a lot of the time there are they're frustrated with themselves, but I don't know. I just I always feel like those are just very preventable technicals. Oh well, most technicals are pretty preventable, but it just feels like very weird. It's like this guy expressed anger in a way that was by no means detrimental to anyone around him, and we have to punish him. Uh, I, I don't think you got. I do agree that it is. So I agree that it's a dumb thing to call a technical on, but I also just think that it's like preventable. I guess that's where I come down on, on ball slamming technicals. That's fair. Uh, anyone else, any other notes from this game? Cause I still, I still have a, a two, two or more three, three things in the junk drawer before we go. Kobe white, really good Celtics potential Celtics killer, which was created by Tom. And I'm all on board that he is a potential Celtics killer down the line. Or he is honestly hit more threes than I feel like the entire Celtics team tonight. There was times when they just left him wide open because they decided to play taco or double Vucevic and uh, that did not go well, but this could have, this could have been worse, honestly, because there was a couple really bad rotations that gave Chicago a lot of early looks from three early on. And they honestly missed a decent amount of like open looks. So I think it could have been even worse than it actually was. That's the positivity we're looking for here on anything is possible. It could have been worse. Um, yeah, when you have Geno time on your podcast, like, especially after a loss, there's not going to be any positivity. Also, a 20-point loss. <laughs> so- hey, they almost cut it to five, though. I mean, that's pretty big news. Um, the final things I got to mention is that Thomas Sandoransky tried to dunk on Tristan Thompson, yeah. which I did not know he was capable of doing. And I like the kind of homicidal energy coming from Sadoransky this game. And so I have to give him credit. And then 
Tristan Thompson early in the game just thought tonight was his night offensively and just was awful. Uh, and he just should stop shooting. That was pretty upsetting. Um, and then the final thing that was just, I thought was a fun moment from the night was Scal uh, in the second quarter, just asking Mike Gorman if he heard of TikTok. And uh, Mike Gorman's like, yeah, I've heard of TikTok. And Scal just goes, huh, lots of dances. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, got it right, folks. So that was a, kind of like the best moment. That's the best thing I could uh, pull out from that night. It's just uh, Scal, Scal and Mike are getting a TikTok. If that can come out of tonight's game, I think that's a win for Celtics Nation. I totally missed that, but it I just too. Because I... last before the pandemic, I remember Scal was having a conversation with me about TikTok, and he was complaining that his daughter can't talk now without doing a dance while she's talking like every with every sentence she like does a different tiktok dance and he was he was asking for the origins of that and then he was also asking for um i think i know where you're going with this tom the like dating apps that players use (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite things about scal is him trying to like understand like really like trying to piece together like the various social medias right now like like he's he's like like you have a conversation with Scal and a lot of it's going to be basketball. It's going to be like him, like having like a lot of really interesting, like smart takes about basketball. And then him just being like, but like, what is Tinder? (laughs) (laughs) It cracks me up every time. Well, if Scal wants to learn about youth culture, I think TikTok is an excellent place to start because I've learned things about generation Z that even know were things, but they just yell sheesh a bunch and it's generally entertaining. So um, I'm all for TikTok. I'm all for, uh, I was going to say the Celtics winning basketball games when I realized that just doesn't happen consistently, but I am all for it. I'm all for the Geno Time podcast. I appreciate all three of you guys joining me here after this uh, ridiculous Celtics game. Uh, I will be happy to repay the favor. I believe I said I would. So when I uh, look, when are you guys recording next? Let's do just all the background information. Now, when am I next coming on Geno time? We'll, we'll record uh, we'll record early next week. We'll have you on for sure. Oh, well, I'll be there. Um, so <laughs> if you guys enjoyed this 45 minutes of nonsense, look for it on the Geno time feed. Subscribe to Geno time uh, and you'll get the brilliant takes of Tom Westerholm, Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. If you enjoy my uh, personal brand of nonsense and you like the um, general serious hard analysis from Jay King, athletics beat reporter, then please subscribe to anything is potable. Uh, Do all the things podcast hosts tell you to do. Give us five stars. Give us a review. Tell a friend. And thanks for listening to this episode of 